You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Edgeworks Nebula. Today, we're going to look at a constellation that many of you are probably more familiar with as one of the 12 signs of the zodiac, especially if your birthday happens to fall between November 22nd and December 21st. That's right, we're talking about Sagittarius. One of the largest constellations in the southern sky, Sagittarius can be viewed in full throughout the summer and is usually most prominent during August, at around 9 in the evening. Those familiar with the zodiac may already know that Sagittarius is meant to represent an archer. But if you're looking for the outline of an archer in the summertime stars, you're bound to be disappointed. There is very little in the shape of Sagittarius that resembles the centurion archer the Greeks put there. You'll actually have better luck locating this constellation if you're looking for a teapot. Within constellations and in other parts of the sky are found what are known as asterisms. Asterisms are any small groups of stars that form a recognizable shape apart from the 88 constellations. The Big Dipper, for instance, or Orion's Belt. Eight of Sagittarius's brightest stars make up the easily identifiable outline of what is known as the teapot asterism. It has a trapezoid-shaped body with a pointy lid, a handle on one side, and an upturned spout on the other, just like a teapot. If you need further guidance finding this asterism, you could look for the especially dense and especially bright region of the Milky Way, which appears to form a billowing puff of steam escaping from the teapot's spout. In the 1970s, the Hungarian astronomer George Lovi proposed that five of Sagittarius's northernmost stars could serve as a teaspoon, while a nearby constellation that lies between Sagittarius and Scorpio, the Corona Australis, also known as the Southern Crown, could be a lemon, which sounds like a perfectly cozy picture, apart from the scorpion. So how did the Greeks see a half-man, half-horse firing a bow and arrow in what is quite clearly a celestial tea set? Well, you have to use your imagination a little on this one. The teapot asterism roughly makes up the form of the drawn bow, with the teapot's handle being the archer's pulled-back elbow. The lid, sometimes being his face and sometimes the upper tip of the bow, and the end of the spout being the foremost hand that holds the bow and arrow poised and ready to shoot. The stars in Lovi's aforementioned teaspoon asterism are often portrayed as a cloak billowing behind the human half of the centaur. Then, seven more stars can be traced from the handle of the teapot in a large, downward curving swoop that's meant to depict the archer's horse half, culminating in the lower parts of its two front legs. As mentioned, 
it takes greater imagination to see a centaur with bow and arrow than it does to see a teapot. But the Greeks apparently had no great stories about afternoon tea to immortalize in the heavens. There are plenty of stars to be found in Sagittarius, and 17 of them have been given names. As mentioned, the brightest are to be found in the teapot asterism where the archer has drawn his bow. Sagittarius's brightest star is Cos Australis, whose name is a combination of Arabic and Latin that means southern bow. As you might guess, this luminous pinpoint marks the bottom of the archer's bow and is also the teapot's bottom right corner. Cos Australis is actually a binary star system located about 140 light years from Earth. Its primary star is a rapidly spinning blue-white giant, seven times the size of the sun and 363 times its brightness. It's surrounded by a massive disk of debris that extends outward more than 150 astronomical units. That's more than 150 times the distance of the Earth from the sun. Due to the disk's enormity, the companion star, a dwarf that's about 95% the size of our sun, is fully engulfed in the swirling space dust. The rest of the archer's bow is made up by Cos Media, or Middle Bow, an orange giant that's about 62 times the size of the sun, and Cos Borealis, or Northern Bow, another orange giant that's about a sixth of that size. Sagittarius's second brightest star is a blue dwarf that goes by the name Nunki, a designation that was passed down through time to us from either the Babylonians or the Assyrians, and that was officially assigned to the star in 2016. Nunki sits kitty-corner from Chaos Australis at the upper part of the teapot's handle, where the archer's raised elbow is drawn back. Though much smaller than Chaos Australis' blue giant, it's only twice the size of the sun, and much farther away at a distance of 228 light-years, Nunki makes up for those drawbacks with a luminosity 3,300 times that of the sun's. Just a ways below Nunki at the teapot's bottom left corner is Sagittarius's third brightest star, Acela. Given its location just under the archer's arm, it's fitting that its name should be Latin for armpit. Located just 89 light years away, Acela is another binary star system, one that's made up of a blue giant and a blue subgiant that orbit each other once every 21 years. Three stars represent the centurion archer's front legs. There's Rupbat, a blue dwarf that's positioned about knee height and perfectly appropriately named, as Rukbat is Arabic for knee. The other two, Arkab Prior and Arkab Posterior, another blue dwarf and a yellow-white giant, respectively, can be found lower down on the hamstring. And as you might have guessed, Arkab is the Arabic term for hamstring. Hey, Molly. Hey, Max. Have you heard the word? Our podcast is out, and it is cooking with gas, baby. Ooh, call me Guy Fieri, because I am flaming hot. All right. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what? Sure, sure, sure. No, I knew that. I knew that's what you were talking about the whole time, Max. You know what? You're going to tell us about frogs, planets, even <laughs> vomit. <laughs>
But at the end of every episode, my favorite part is, Molly, you come up with a song that helps everyone remember all the facts that we talk about. It's a kid-friendly and adult-friendly, funny, dare we say, educational show. (laughs) New episodes every Thursday, wherever you absorb your podcast. Oh, wait, wait, Molly, Molly, Molly. You forgot to mention our sweet, sweet hotline. Oh, Yes, numbers. Here we go. Ready? Seven six zero five two three zero eight zero eight. Contact Max and Molly. Of course, the most interesting part of the visual of the archer is probably the arrow that he's firing. The orange giant, Al Nozzle, has the honor of serving as the arrowhead. In fact, the star's very name is Arabic for arrowhead. The seventh brightest star in Sagittarius, Al-Nazal shines from about 97 light years away and is actually one half of an optical double with another fainter star that's slightly north of it in the sky. At the galactic center, 26,000 light years from our own solar system, there dwells a supermassive black hole by the name of Sagittarius A. This behemoth of a collapsed star at the center of our galaxy is 16 million miles in diameter, which positively dwarfs the Earth's own diameter of just under 8,000 miles. While we have known Sagittarius A to be a black hole since the 1980s, the Event Horizon Telescope collaboration only just confirmed this in May of 2022 with a photograph of the black hole's accretion disk. It's believed that a centrally located supermassive black hole is a common feature of spiral galaxies such as our own. The luminous swath of the Milky Way arising before the archer's posed arrow, or spout of the teapot if you'd like to stick with the steam analogy, is filled with some incredible nebulas and other deep sky objects. Among the more evocatively named and shaped nebulas that surround Sagittarius, are the Eagle Nebula, the Omega Nebula, the Little Gem Nebula, the Red Spider Nebula, the Lagoon Nebula, the Trifid Nebula, the Hourglass Nebula, and the Eye of Sauron Nebula, which, no joke, legitimately looks like the Eye of Sauron from the Lord of the Rings, floating freely in space. Consider that your slice of Lovecraftian interdimensional horror for the day. Many of these nebulas were obviously named for what they resemble. Very near to the galactic nucleus in the quintuplet cluster is another nebula named for its distinct outline, the Pistol Nebula. The gun-shaped space cloud is comprised of nearly 10 solar masses worth of ionized gas that was shed over time from the star it surrounds, the Pistol Star. The Pistol Star is a young blue hypergiant and has one of the greatest luminosities of any known star. It's thought to be 100 times the mass of the sun and glows 10 million times more brightly. It produces as much energy every 20 seconds as the sun produces in a year. While we can't see the pistol star with the naked eye, it actually would be visible from Earth were it not for the huge amount of space dust that obscures it from us. That's pretty incredible considering it's located 25,000 light years away very close to our galaxy's center. Truly, Sagittarius contains no shortage of wonders for modern astronomers to marvel over. While we find ourselves fascinated today by the enormity of space and the endlessly intriguing life cycles of stars, the ancient Greeks were of course preoccupied with skyborne wonders of their own making. While the Babylonians first came up with the idea of Sagittarius as an archer, and also a centaur, albeit with a scorpion tail, 
The Greeks took the concept and applied it to more than one of their myths. Centaurs were significant creatures in Greek mythology. As worshippers of Dionysus, the god of wine, they generally behaved belligerently and debauchedly, their dual nature representing the war between savagery and civility that rages within the human heart. The centaurs were descended from Centaurus, who himself was the result of a tryst between King Exion and a good-looking cloud. Hey, I don't make this stuff up, I just report on it. Not all centaurs gave in to their animal halves, however. There was one more civilized centaur by the name of Chiron, who was known for his wisdom and who was believed to have invented pharmaceutical science. His name is even where we get the modern word surgeon from. Chiron may have had an advantage over the other centaurs, seeing as he came from a different lineage. His father was the Titan Cronus, making him a half-brother to Zeus, and his mother was not a cloud, but an ocean nymph. It surely didn't hurt either that Chiron was raised by the god Apollo, whose cultured talents included music, poetry, and healing. Just as his foster father, Apollo, enjoyed mentorship, Chiron went on to become a revered tutor for many of Greek mythology's greatest heroes. Theseus, Perseus, Peleus, Achilles, Ajax, and Jason among them. It was actually one of Chiron's most famous pupils, Hercules, who inadvertently brought about the civilized centaur's end. On his way to complete the fourth of his labors, the capture of the Aramanthian boar, Hercules stopped by the cave of his centaur friend Pholus to share a drink and catch up. Some accounts say Pholus cracked into a cask of sacred wine that had been gifted to the centaurs by Dionysus, while others suggest Hercules brazenly opened the wine himself against his friend's wishes. Either way, the centaur community descended upon the cave, driven into a frenzy by the wine's intoxicating aroma, and Hercules had to resort to firing his arrows, which had been laced with the poisonous blood of the Hydra. Among those struck in the fray was poor Chiron. Because of his lineage through Cronus, Chiron was an immortal, and rather than killing him, the wound from Hercules' arrow caused him endless agony. But Chiron decided to use his plight for good. He asked Hercules to implore Zeus on his behalf that his immortality might be sacrificed in exchange for the freedom of Prometheus, who was suffering his own endless agony in the form of an eagle that was repeatedly devouring his regenerating liver as punishment for having stolen fire from the gods. Zeus accepted Chiron's request, and the centaur found peace at last. Some accounts state that he was placed in the starry heavens as either one of the two centaur constellations, Sagittarius or Centaurus. It's elsewhere suggested that Chiron himself put the two centaur-shaped constellations into the sky to guide Jason and the Argonauts on their quest for the Golden Fleece. Meanwhile, the early Roman text De Astronomica proposes a completely different source of inspiration for Sagittarius. The author attributes the constellation to the goat-legged, horn-browed Crotus, who was the son of the satyr god Pan. Crotus lived on Mount Helicon, where he enjoyed spending time with the woodland muses and gained renown as a swift and skilled hunter. It's easy to see why he would have been a popular choice for the archer constellation, since the Greeks believed him to have invented archery as a means of hunting. Apparently, the muses were so impressed by his prowess, they asked Zeus to place Crotus among the stars, and his two greatest skills, 
horse riding and archery, are to be witnessed in Sagittarius. Whether Crotus or Chiron or just an anonymous centaur, Sagittarius was unquestionably associated with archery, and the Greeks saw the figure as taking aim at a very particular target in the night sky. If you follow the arrow's path past our galactic center, you'll find it points directly to the extremely bright red supergiant Antares in the constellation Scorpius, a star that is seen as representing the scorpion's heart. By alternating accounts, the archer may be either avenging Orion for the deadly sting the scorpion gave him, or, if Chiron, protecting the constellation Hercules despite the little incident with the Hydra blood. While the Greeks and the Babylonians before them saw an archer in Sagittarius, other cultures interpreted this region of the night sky rather differently. For Arabic astronomers, the lower two stars in the archer's bow, Chaos Media and Chaos Australis, and the arrowhead, Al-Nazal, were part of an asterism known as the Going Ostriches, which are always found heading to the Great River of the Milky Way for a drink. Nanki and Asela at the other end of the archer's strung bow represent the returning ostriches on their way back from the river, and Caus Borealis high above both is keeper who watches over them all. The Navajo view Sagittarius as a bear, since just as bears rise from hibernation with the onset of spring, so too do the stars of Sagittarius first appear after their long absence just before dawn at the beginning of spring. The eastern islanders of Australia's Torres Strait see Sagittarius as a small sucker fish that they use to hunt turtles. They hunt by throwing the fish near a turtle with a rope tied around it and pulling the turtle in once the fish latches onto its shell. India's early astronomers saw a sideways elephant where the teapot asterism has its spout. Cosmedia represents the elephant's head with the trunk ending in al-nozzle. Chaos Australis serves as the elephant's rump, while another star that hangs just south of it, Rabi Alwarida, provides the tail. In this asterism, the visible swath of the Milky Way that borders Sagittarius could be seen as a great spray of water flowing from the elephant's trunk. In his book, The Secret Deep, astronomer Stephen James O'Meara jokes that the planetary nebula NGC 6563, which is found within the India's elephant asterism, could be a peanut digesting in the animal's belly. Chinese astronomers formed several different asterisms out of Sagittarius's stars. They saw Cos Media, Cos Australis, and another two stars that don't have names as forming a winnowing basket that was used for separating rice grains from chaff. Cos Borealis, Nanki, and Asela together make the Southern Dipper, along with the Northern Dipper, which is better known to Western stargazers as the Big Dipper of the Ursa Major constellation in the Northern Hemisphere. The Southern Dipper was an important part of how the ancient Chinese viewed the afterlife. For them, the Northern Dipper governed death and the Southern Dipper governed life, each measuring an appropriate amount to every person according to their deeds. Just above the Southern Dipper, where the archer's cloak can be seen billowing backward, the Chinese saw a banner such as one might find at a city gate. And just a ways further north from there is the Celestial Bird of Dawn, so positioned because its stars are the first of the constellation to appear in the spring, just as the rooster is the first to announce the dawn. Directly south of the Dawn Bird is the Celestial Keyhole, 
which is comprised of stars from both Sagittarius and the nearby constellation Ophiuchus. This asterism lies on the sun's ecliptic path and was believed to be responsible for initiating and ending eclipses. Further south still, where the centaur's body swoops back, down, and around, you'll find a pair of canine-themed asterisms. The higher of the two represents a guard dog, and the lower one translates to a dog kingdom, which has to be a serious contender for all-time most awesomely named asterism. I mean, who wouldn't want to hang out in dog kingdom? Lastly, down by Rukbat and Akbar, the archer's feet, you will find the celestial spring asterism, which the Chinese believed governed irrigation. No matter what a given culture saw in Sagittarius, it's clear that the constellation's unique arrangement of luminous stars and its visual proximity to the galactic center were both of great inspiration to people around the world. Sagittarius inhabits an endlessly fascinating region of the night sky. The constellation's general direction was even the source of the WOW signal, a narrowband radio signal received in 1977 that many in the astronomy community believed to be the strongest candidate for contact from extraterrestrial intelligence. As of today, there is still no better explanation for its origin. So who knows what possibilities the stars of Sagittarius and the system beyond hold for mankind. For now, we can simply appreciate the great archer's splendor in the night sky as our ancestors did and live in hopeful wonder. Until next time, happy terraforming. Settle the Stars is a proud member of the Edgeworks Nebula, a collection of intriguing and informative podcasts from Edgeworks Entertainment. Edgeworks Nebula. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.